Listen up. The views, thoughts, and opinions expressed in this podcast belong solely to the podcast participants and not to any participants, employer, organization, committee, or other group or individual. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only. You know, for fun. So lighten up and enjoy. We're enjoying. Are we? Are we really? Because I don't feel like I'm enjoying. We're just, we're getting it together. Episode 84, where we try to get it together on the fly. Okay. We have a guest. We do have a guest. Who is our guest, Stomping Jen? Andrea Bordenka. And I am Sawtooth Frank, and you are listening to the Soft Serve Podcast. Our guest, Andrea Bordenka, is a leadership coach and a leadership development expert, and we're going to talk to her, right? That's right. All right. Now what do we do? We're going to hit the other button that says, okay, we're going to go. That one? Yeah. Okay. Soft Serve Podcast. Creamy, delicious ideas without the creepy truck. Okay. Okay. <laughs> There's no creepy truck. <laughs> no creepy truck. And it doesn't see our video. Hold on. Let's see what we Still can do about that. We didn't turn on the video. Mm. We can see Andrea, but she can't see us. Right, you keep talking. I'm going to try to fix this problem. Can she hear us? It looks like she is because she's laughing. All right, we can't hear her. Hold on. <laughs> oh, life is so grand with technical difficulties. They're so great and so terrible all at the same time. And yet we're still listening to the intro. Crazy. You keep talking, stopping, all right, I'm going to keep talking to all you lovely people. So let's see, what can we talk about in the interim? We can talk about um, how we're going to thank all the people. We're going to thank all of the essential workers that are out there, and they're starting to open things back up. So okay, that's a good sign. Our video is on. Oh, that's great. No. So we're going to thank the podcast people and the healthcare workers and the teachers and so we we have to ask um <laughs> andrea. andrea if she's an experienced zoom user i would say oh yes, pretty- there we go good. we can hear you yeah. yay yeah good all right all right i don't know a single thing you just said to me, Stomping Jen. That's okay. You, you were very preoccupied. I was thinking the people. Which people? All the people. We don't have to recap the people. We already know the people. Well, let's thank this person who's joining us and <laughs> yes, introduce right. this person. I'm so excited. <laughs> Stomping Jen. Who oh, is this person? Oh, my goodness. This is Andrea. I know, but I'm asking you to introduce her. She's going to introduce herself. We're going to do that. Okay. Because we gave you a little bit of an intro during the intro part of our show. 
Yeah, well, so I will let her introduce herself because she does many, 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 many things. So I don't know what she, what order we're going to list all of the things in. Well, welcome, Andrea. Um, we do typically let guests introduce themselves and say whatever they want about themselves. But I have your resume here. <laughs> I know exactly what you've been up to and what you're doing. So, um, oh. but we, um, but first, welcome. Thank you for coming on. Yes, thank you for coming on. Thank uh, you for having me. Happy yeah. to be here. And the last few weeks, yes. I don't know, like the last 11, 12 weeks, we've been really trying to focus on people in our community, Western yeah. Massachusetts, Belchertown, right. who are doing interesting community-focused type of things. Um, right. This whole... COVID-19 situation threw us all for a loop and got us, I think, thinking a little more seriously and trying to put out um, content to our community that could help people. So that so that kind of opened us up over the last few months to be seeking out people who are doing interesting, positive things in the community, That's which true. has led us to you. How cool is that? So um, without further ado, um, Andrea, I'll let you just say whatever you want about yourself. Sure. What to say about myself? Um, well, first and foremost, I'm the mom of three boys, 19, 17, and 10 years old. And I love that. Um, and you know, a lot of the work that I do, because, you know, if you look at my resume that you have there, I'm a CEO of a healthcare technology, uh, organization that actually does more than healthcare technology management. It actually, we are in the, um, we're in different industries and that's a whole story within itself. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm also, as you know, the CEO of an organization called the Institute for Generative Leadership and the founder of Lead Yourself Youth and the co-founder of the Women's Collaborative here that started uh, me and my buddy, Gina Fasser, which is actually how I know Jen. Mm -hmm. She and I started that in 2017. And they all, the, the common theme here and what has like linked it all together is being in the role of CEO of Desco, which is a company my dad started in 1970 that I took over about 15 years ago now, um, I recognized that coming into a leadership role, I had this understanding that leadership was being an expert. And I didn't know how to build teams. I thought I had to be the one that came up with all the answers. And I realized that the way that I approached leadership in that way was similar to how I approached being a mom um, to engaging in life. I didn't have a lot of great personal relationships. And I realized it was because I didn't know how to build relationships. So everything else that I've done, so the Institute for Generative Leadership is actually an organization that taught me the importance of community. It's a learning community. It's an adult a professional leadership training institute that brings in the nervous system. And it brings in how our stress physiology is a part of the learning process, but we don't learn this in school. And so being a part of that community enabled me to understand how human beings work, how we coordinate together, how we 
um, assess safety and trust, we, how we build teams or we don't, how we build relationships or we don't. Um, and it, it totally gave me this new context for what leadership is. So it's not about being an expert. It's actually sometimes saying, I don't know, and it's okay to be vulnerable and all that stuff, the human stuff that I just was so blind to growing up in affluent Medfield, Massachusetts, which is situated halfway between Providence and Boston, where we went there. We moved there as a kid when I was a kid because of the good school system. Mm -hmm. But because I wasn't a great student in school, mm -hmm. I that was not for me. So I developed addiction, um, anxiety, depression. In my 20s, I was suicidal. And I didn't know how to ask for help or to say, you know, I have issues learning. I was ashamed of that. So there was a lot of shame I held on to. And so over the course of my adulthood in this learning from the Institute for Generative Leadership, I actually was able to overcome addiction. I was an alcoholic. Uh, I smoked cigarettes. I was addicted to prescription and non-prescription drugs. I'm not anymore. And it's all because the Institute for Generative Leadership is not a mental health organization in itself, but because it teaches us how to build community that I understood now how to be human with other people and to express, to have this emotional ability to, to navigate my stress physiology at work and at home. Like it transformed mm -hmm. things so many ways. So I started adapting this and bringing it to schools in 2016. So I went to the, the founder of the Institute last August and I said, I'm doing this work anyway. Desco, the you know second generation owner, the business is doing great. It wasn't when I first took over, but it's doing great because I know how to build a team. The team is performing well. I have this time that I'm bringing this into the community. Why not just make me the CEO of IGL so I can leverage all of your resources because we're global, leverage all the resources and start to bring this into education. So we bring how to learn and how to connect in this, you know, we talk about social emotional, how we bring this like human connection and actually have the learning process, mindfulness, stress physiology, be a part of every single school subject, a part of the curriculum, not just an add-on. So that's really what, like, for me, what gets me up in the morning, why I do so many things. And the Women's Collaborative is, like, my way in the community to say, let's have the safe space where we can just show up and not feel like we have to put on a mask or have to show up in a certain way, where we just are able to talk about what's going on, what we're learning, what our challenges are, what our successes are, with no shame. And mm -hmm. it's been, like, this really like enriching deeply like these friendships that have formed because of this outside of our circle that we meet. Um, it, it's been awesome. So if we can do that in a, in a small town like this, why can't we bring this into education? Why can't we bring this into organizations? So that's essentially what I'm, that's how I would describe myself, I guess. That's <laughs> that, is what a, I that, that is a lot of things. How do you, <laughs> juggle so many things. That is the very first question I had written down for yeah. you, actually. After looking, after reading an article I found about you online and then doing some research, I said, how on earth does she do all of this? I'm really curious. How do you prioritize and juggle mm -hmm. all of these things? That's a good question. I'm actually doing a workshop in, um, later on this summer 
And it's basically, it's, it's all about reconstructing the notion of work-life balance. You know, mm-hmm. we hear that thrown out a lot. Um, so the way that I, that I approach life is that there's some days, some weeks where my personal life is more demanding. I have a sick kid. Um, I, Chris and I, my husband, we might need some more time because we feel disconnected, especially when I'm traveling, which hasn't been the case. So that's been nice. Um, but I do like to travel. So like that warrants the attention in the moment. And when I'm with my kids or when I'm with Chris, everything else that I'm doing is like, is gone out of my attention, out of my consciousness. I'm just totally present in here. And then the same thing at work. So there's some weeks where, you know, especially with IGL, we do a lot of workshops um, and we usually travel around to do these workshops, but now we've been doing them virtually as we're preparing for that or marketing for it, that requires at certain times during the month, the year, more attention. So it's just, that's where my attention goes. And I have teams and at Desco, you know, with the pandemic, that is something that has required more of my attention because we are in the conversation. Do we furlough? Do we lay off? What do we need to do? Are we going to get the PPP loan? All of that. And so that has required more of attention. So what happened was my, you know, I like to work out and exercise. That's very important to me too, for my own well-being. That went by the wayside for a little bit. And so now it's like, okay, so now we're stabilized. Our teams know what they need to be doing. We're not traveling. We, we have a, a system, a rhythm. Like for me, it's all about rhythm and having the teams in a rhythm. I have certain conversations that have a rhythm. Now that rhythm changes, whereas at Desco, I was in meetings every other week and then it changed to once a week. So then that rhythm changed. So it depends on like, how do I adapt to the external situation and then say, well, what's my commitment? What am I like really committed to here? Mm -hmm. And then how do I, there's some things that I have to say, you know what, that's going to go on the back burner for now because I need to give attention to this. As long as I'm clear on what it is that I need to give attention to and I have the conversations and I have the team and the support, then everything gets done. And some things, you know, some things do fall by the wayside if there's competing priorities. Um, and then you just navigate it based on the urgency and, and what needs to get done first. So I don't feel so much that it's like a juggling act or a balancing act as much as it is what requires my full attention and presence right now. And if I can't give it, then I really need to have a conversation either with myself or somebody else to say, you know what, this requires my attention. I need help over here, or I need your help trying to like get myself fully present here. Just know that I'm not fully here yet. Mm -hmm. And I just want to be really transparent that I'm that way because other people are going to pick up on it. If I'm like distracted over here, my 10 year old, he'll say to me, like, if I'm looking at him and like, I'm like physically present, but I'm not really like open and connected. He'll say to me, mom, where are you right now? Mm-hmm. Like, oh my gosh, you're right, buddy. I'm thinking about like something else and you're right. I'm not totally present and, and connected with you. So thank you for that. Here I am. Cause you know, we, things happen in the background, but my, I have a history. One of the diagnoses I had was ADHD. And so I don't consider myself that anymore. Um, so what I've done as a practice is to really train my attention to focus on where am I right now? And if there's someone right in front of me or something right in front of me to like, if it's committed, if it's, if it's connected to what I care about, then I want to give it care. I want to take care of it. Right. And if it's not, then what am I doing? Yeah. 
So I yeah, and I hear you talking about the the rhythm and the feelings, and that's one of the ways you keep um, all of these um, balls in the air to extend the juggling metaphor a little further. Um, and that feels very much kind of like you were talking about before that neurochemical aspect of um, leadership, right? That feeling that things are right or they're not right. And is it, is that, can you tell like through feeling by talking to people? And is it, is there a, is there a neurochemical emotional component to it versus looking at the, the spreadsheets and the emails and like, is that, you know, it, it sounds very much to me like you, you're able to keep the pulse on what's happening through, like you were saying, the human elements of leadership versus yeah. versus versus like the Johnson show me today spreadsheet like type of thing. Yeah, it, totally. It, it used to be a, a comment people would make when I go to um, client meetings is like, wow, you don't beat around the bush. I'd come in. I'd be like, all right, what are we here to talk about? I'm not your friend. We're here to like get business done. And I took it as a compliment when people would say that to me. But what I realized was I was not like settled into my body. I wasn't connecting. And that's when I would like hold it all together and then come home and down like two bottles of wine and smoke mm -hmm. my cigarette, get up in the morning, have my Red Bull, have my coffee and go about my day thinking like everything's fine. Um, and so what for me, like the part about the body was like the connection. I didn't, I didn't fully understand how important that was. And I wasn't able to understand, like when I had anxiety, I would like smoke cigarettes to like get rid of it. And that made it worse. Um, or I would drink a lot or take my pills and trying to like, because it was so uncomfortable and I didn't want to be, who wants to be uncomfortable? I didn't want to be uncomfortable. And so I didn't realize that once you're actually able to, and we're, and this is the other thing is like, we're in an emotion all the time. And as human beings, our nervous system, because we're social animals, we're broadcasting all the time. Right. So if I'm tense and I'm like way up here, which I get excited and I go up here, then it's going to have a certain impact on the person, the people that I'm with. Mm -hmm. If I consciously drop my breath, drop my energy, drop my voice, it's going to land very differently on you and the people who are listening. Because now I'm aware of what's going on in my body and I can tune into what's going on with other people's body versus like, all right, we're here to get like stuff done. And I don't know what's going on with you, but uh, blah, blah. and I learned like years ago when I would give sales presentations to look beyond the crowd because I had anxiety. Mm -hmm. And now my training has been to actually make eye contact with people to have that human connection. Like I was practicing disconnecting. So first it requires the uh, ability to understand and know, um, there's a word that's not coming to my, uh, to, to tune in and to really acknowledge the emotion and then the body disposition of that emotion in my body. And then I can say, okay, is there something off? I've had conversations with employees where when there's resignation, which is very typical in organizations to say, you know what? I'm, I'm getting the sense that there's something off here. You know, I'm, I'm hearing you say that, yes, like you're committed and we're going forward, but like there's something showing up, like what's going on? Is there something off? Am I off here? And then often that will lead to, you know what, Andrea, I'm really frustrated. We've done this before. I don't feel like my team was acknowledged, da, da, da. It's like, oh, okay. So now because I'm aware 
that there's something show up instead of steamrolling over it, I can have a conversation about it and get to the root of it. And by doing that, it increases engagement because now people are listened to in a, in a different way. Yeah. I mean, I know I have found in my recent leadership positions, I get a lot farther when I ask questions of people, right? Like, what are you thinking? What can I be doing better for you? Like kind of rather than making assumptions about Mm -hmm. what I think people are feeling, right? right. (laughs) Because you can't, and I've learned this through, you know, obviously hundreds of hours of therapy, you know, it's not a good idea to make assumptions about what other people are feeling. Right. And, and you know, I think before I became an experienced leader, I used to think leadership was making those assumptions about everything around you and then trying to direct everything. Mm-hmm. Yes. Right. And after falling on my face a few times, you know, and then th- talking these things through with my therapist, actually, like, and, and then having the benefit of some great mentors around me, I was able mm-hmm. to kind of course correct. But so, yeah, that, that is very, that's very interesting, I think. Yeah. You talked a lot about like teams that you work with, like had, and you talked a lot about how when you first started, you had this con- conception about what a leadership leader should be, just like you just mentioned Sawtooth, right? Mm-hmm. So um, how did that transition happen for you, like, how did you come to the realization that this wasn't working? And like, how did you make that pivot to change what you were doing? And did you like go through courses? Did you, I mean, was it therapy? Like, was it, you know, like, I, I don't know. And it's really, yeah, initially it was the course. So 20 years ago is when I took over my dad's business and my sister found the Institute for Generative Leadership and said, Andrea, like there's this she was studying emotional intelligence at the time. And she said, there's this really interesting organization based out in California and they combine like emotional intelligence with like nervous system with like Aikido. And I'm like, what? And, uh, and I was like, no, it was even, I wasn't, I didn't even take over my dad's business yet. I was working for my dad, but she said, you and dad should check it out. And we did. And that's when I was first introduced to this concept of you can actually connect to what you care about and live your life based on that. And at that time, I didn't realize that I was not connected to what I cared about. So I had this whole like history of like work comes first, career comes first and in order and then like school, this is what t- it, it teaches us, right? Is there's one valedictorian. There's only, you can't like all be the top of the class. So it's right. very competitive. And I didn't do great in school, like I said, but I got like right after college, I went right into the professional world. Like I'm going to like win the career award of like <laughs> be successful. And I was so depressed and people that I worked with hated me because I'd be there in the morning, like early, and I'd stay late. I had no other life. That's what I did. My friends, I didn't have great friendships, not great boyfriends either, because I was like never around because work came first. So then like through this learning through the Institute for Generative Leadership, like generative is all about something that's actionable and observable. So it's like this outside external result, but the way that it's framed at the Institute for Generative Leadership is it comes from this internal care and commitment. 
So I was so focused on the external result that I wasn't satisfied. So when this whole notion about teams and leadership came up, the question that's asked in like the first workshop is, well, what is a team? What is leadership? And I'm like, I don't, I've ne- I just, I've been living an answer that leader is an expert, that a team is just a group of people. And what I learned, my definition of a team is like, no, you need like more than one person if you want like to align with your vision in life in order to get it done. And so we have teams and organizations because no one person can get stuff done. And it was just like this thing that I'm like, that had never been taught to me in school. It wasn't something that we like, you know, as kids were necessarily, um, we practice. So that shift for me was like, I am not satisfied in my life. Like I am so depressed and it's because I don't have human connection. I don't have teams. I don't have relationships. So the whole notion of building a team that's aligned with me, I was like, oh, so what's friendship? Mm -hmm. is having friends who are aligned with me instead of having these, like I had drunk, you know, I would drink a lot. I had my drinking buddies, but there's a lot of toxic relationships I had because I didn't understand that I had a say in how I could be treated and how I wanted to treat others. I just, I was living the answer based on whatever story I filtered through growing up. Mm. Yeah. And I think when you're leading a team, at least when you think, when you first start leading teams, one of the hardest things I found was letting go of what you're good at, right? And like right. at you a don't skill have to level, be the expert and everything. That's why you have people right. around you that have different skill sets and being able to share, um, um, give other people an opportunity and share in their success and find happiness in their success. Like that's, I don't know. That has been the one of the more rewarding parts of. Um, leading teams to me is watching other people around me succeed. Right. And, I don't know. I'm always is that the servant based leadership, the servant uh, leadership. Uh, that is that is one tenant of servant right. based leadership. Yeah. Um. You know, kind of the metaphor. You know, um, is is to be um, coaching people and be off the dance floor, letting other people enjoy the dance and kind of observing it from afar and being there to lend support and give direction, you know, when it's needed. Um, I think. (laughs) I love love that you say that because this is exactly why I started lead yourself youth is I came into education. Like the, I don't have an education background. I've been in healthcare primarily. Um, I was an English major and a business minor in college. Um, But what does that really mean? Nothing. So, (laughs) So then like I'm, I'm starting this initiative and, and I don't know anything about education, but I know that I care about it. And I know that there are other people, if I can find who are aligned with me, that we can bring this work into education. And this is what gets in the way of a lot of people fulfilling their own life's purpose, their Dhamma, whatever you want to call it is they might have a story. I'm not good enough. I'm not, I don't have any of that in my background. And it's like, no, you don't have to, you know, like Mm -hmm. you, this is why there are other people. And if we can find other people who are like, well, what do I care about? I can make, you know, the person who said, I want to go to the moon had no idea how to get to the moon, but like a declaration was made. And then all of a sudden it became a reality because people were like, all right, man, like I believe in this too. Let's get there together. And this is not something that is is taught to our kids, taught to us. It's like, no, you don't have to be. And this is the biggest, for me, 
with like being in healthcare with doctors and then now being in education with teachers, teaching like you don't have to be an expert when they are trained to be experts. Like for you to build a team in your school or in your district where you're actually empowering other teachers, it's like really uncomfortable because they're like, but I'm the expert, I'm the content expert. So then sometimes when you're an academic expert, you it's not comfortable saying, I don't know. And so there's like reaction to the stress in the classroom because it's beyond the content. You're dealing with human beings. So for me, it's like, that's why this work is so important because let's like get rid of this like notion of just being an expert. Like I'm a parent, like I say to my kids, I'm like, I've never done this before. Like, <laughs> yes, just you're 19. I've never had a 19 year old before. Right. And Sean, you're 17, but I've never had a 17 and a 19 and a 10 year old before. Like this is new for me too. So like, how do we navigate this together? Yeah. And you know, I think I don't know can be scary, but it can also be incredibly empowering and can mm -hmm. be an opportunity, right? Like I, I used to be afraid of saying, I don't know. Me yeah. too. And, yes. but now it, for me, it's like, I don't know, but let's find out together, right? right? Let's mm -hmm. figure this out. This is a, this is, this is an obstacle we need to overcome. Right. Yep. You look like you want to say something. No, I, I yeah. don't. <laughs> yeah. So where, so where I see some people who have different, I think, uh, models of leadership who are always struggling to find an answer when it's really clear they don't have an answer rather than just saying, I don't know. Mm hmm let's figure it out together. I feel like a lot of, or I have the best answers, right? Well, I feel, <laughs> <laughs> I feel, but I feel like a lot of harm can come from not being able to say, I don't know, mm -hmm. especially in a leadership situation. Right. Mm -hmm. And when you're, um, when you can make a very, um, uninformed decision based on not knowing anyways, right. I just, I embrace, I, mean, I you, embrace, I don't know. If you pretend like you know what you're talking about and you lead people astray, that could have catastrophic <laughs> results, sure you know, can. like. And it yeah. breaches trust and, you know, and this yeah. is like, and, and there is like, who knows, like all of life's big questions don't have a right and wrong answer. So like when it comes to who we're going to marry, where we're going to go to school, where we're going to go to work, you know, and then adults, like I remember being in my twenties and my, my parents had a very strong, my grandparents had a very strong opinion of what I should do. And I held it like they're like, they know better. It's the truth. And it's not, it's mm -hmm. like, well, no, like this is just your opinion and belief. And I, I, I know a lot, like for me, like when I think about my kids and how I want to do like what's best for them, I have some strong opinions there, but I'm like, okay, but that worked for me, but I don't, I don't know what's going to work for them. Yeah. So I can't tell them what to do because I'm, I don't know what's best. I have my opinion. We can talk about it, but I'm not an expert in their life. Right. Yeah. One question that has been bumping around in my brain since we started talking was what, what was it like to take over your father's company? I, I can imagine that could be a scary thing. It could be a task filled with a lot of external and internal expectations. I'm just really curious to hear what that was like for you. It was messy. I was, um, so I was in my twenties, late twenties. And I, my dad, um, he had kidney cancer and he's, he's fine now. He has one kidney. One was removed. The tumor was in there and that's great. He's like mm -hmm. 75 now and fine. Um, no dialysis needed. But at the time I come in and I'm like, okay, mom and dad need help. 
my mom was a nurse practitioner. She stepped into the business. And then we asked my sister, do you want to like, cause we had worked there on and off forever. Mm-hmm. And my sister's like, no, thank you. <laughs> not it. <laughs> um, and I was like, well, you know what? Why not? And Chris and I, we lived here, but the business was based in Eastern Mass, 80 miles away in Norfolk. And so I said, all right, I'm going to step into this and I'm going to help out. Um, and I don't know, like, I know enough about how the business is run, but I'd never, you know, I, I had never been a, a, you know, CEO before. So I step into this and I'm like all gung ho and I'm all like, I'm the expert. I know what I'm doing based on like what I'm seeing. So I'm going to tell you what to do. And I'm going to tell you what to do. And people are like, I don't think so. So I step into this as a woman in a male dominated industry, most of our, so we, we service medical equipment. So we're on the front line. Mm-hmm. So when you're shouting out to people, the people of Desco are actually out there servicing COVID area um, beds, monitors, ventilators, all that stuff. And so I'm coming in to this role as my dad's daughter. So you got that going, mm-hmm. like whatever stories around that, um, female, young. What um, does she know? Well, exactly. And I remember I went to this industry event where I was going, I was running into some of my dad's friends and I had known them for, they knew me since I was, you know, little. And I was in some event in the South and I was so excited to go up to this one guy to tell him like, Hey, guess what? I'm taking over Desco. So I did. And he like looked at me and paused and laughed in my face. Oh, Gosh. And I wanted to like shrink and run away. And he was like, what? Like, that's ridiculous. And I like, I was so like embarrassed. And I'm like, maybe he's right. So like for like weeks, I was in like, maybe he's right. What am I doing? I don't know what I'm doing. Like, who mm-hmm. am I fooling? Like da 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 da. da. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I was like, no, what am I committed to? Like, I want to take care of my parents in this. I this is an opportunity for my family. And so then, like with the employees of Desco. One of the um, guys on the field said to me, so what we do, like a lot of what we do is field service. So someone will call into a customer, uh, say an OR manager will call into the office and then we will dispatch one of our technicians to go service their facility. So sometimes we'd have to go from Vermont to New York to Connecticut and all over the place And so these people, like people are driving around like hundreds of miles a day. And I would send people based on like availability. It's like, okay, this customer has a need. You're going here, you're going here, you're going here. And one day, like I had overworked this guy so much and I didn't even see it because I'm like, we're fulfilling our customer needs. We need to do this. You've got to listen to me. I know what's right here. Logistically, this is what works out in the schedule. He goes, we're not monkeys. And I was like, what? And I'm like, but the customer's asking, he's like, Andrea, you have me on the road for like 10 hours a day. Do you know that I have a family? Do you know that I'm a human being? And I was like, oh my, I was like, no. (laughs) I was like, oh my. So coming into it is this like young, like I'm gonna like make my mark and be strong in this. And I'm like, why isn't anybody listening to me? And I'm so thankful that employee is still with us. I'm so thankful for people who gave me a little bit of pushback because I was like so ignorant and blind, like a bull in a china shop, trying to do my best. Don't get me wrong. But I just did. I had no notion of like what I was doing. So I'm like, all right, this is like a humility. Like, and I don't, and here I am thinking, I know like how to do this. And it's like, clearly I don't. So the help of the Institute, the thing I love about the Institute of Regenerative Leadership is that every student gets a coach. 
So it's like a, you can do a year long program, two or three year program. And with it, you get a coach Mm -hmm. to like help you embody the learning. So it's like, you're not just kind of like going it alone. And I was so grateful for my coach because without her at the time, I think I would have like gone back to like, I'm just going to do what I know how to do and like be safe in that. And I'm like, no, no, I know that this is uncomfortable and I can do this and I can learn this. So I had that perseverance, but it was really messy at first. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Really messy. <laughs> I'm, I'm just, I'm, yeah, I'm just sitting, I'm, yeah, I'm yeah. sitting with that for a minute. It's such a good story. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm thinking, so after, was that sort of the wake up moment for you when that employee kind of told you we're not I monkeys or did you have a lot more or yeah. like, and, and is that, is it, was that the ice water in the face that set you down a road and had yeah. you, and is that what, like what, what caused you to seek out the Institute for Generative Leadership? Like, was it something like that that happened when you took over Desco or like what got you there? And it, it just like, I was coming in as a new manager. So even mm-hmm. before that point, and my sister was like, you've never done this. So why not just check this out? And I was like, Oh, okay. Yeah. Sounds cool. Um, and so I did. And then like over time, so I only stopped drinking alcohol for, it's going to be four years this June. So even though I've been in this work for 20 years, it's been, and I've only, like I, my first thing was I kicked my drug habit, habit, mm-hmm. um, out. 15, 14 years ago to no, 2008, 2000. Yeah. 2007, 2008. So whenever that was, and then I, I stopped smoking like five years ago. So it's like, these things have been evolving over time Mm -hmm. and the practices that I've been doing are like, where am I not satisfied? Like, where am I noticing that I'm not getting the fulfillment in my life that I want? That's the area. Like that's my edge, right? If you think of the edges, here's what I'm comfortable with and familiar with and what I know. And then here's what I don't know, the discomfort. And then like, this is where the learning happens. Yeah. Right. And so like, where do I need to like really practice getting to that place where my edge gets bigger? So then like new layers, new awareness unfold. So for me, like I am like a dedicated lifelong practitioner of just like, what do I need to like face here? And like mm-hmm. really like put myself out there in a bigger way where I actually feel comfortable. Like I had social anxiety so bad um, that I would like avoid people and like hide in the corner, not look at people yeah. in the eyes. And I'm like, Oh, I need to practice looking at people in the eyes. And then now it's fine. Cause I'm comfortable with it. Cause now my body, my nervous system is organized to be able to do that. So it's just like this constant unraveling of what do I want to do next? And I feel like with each new layer that unfolds. And sometimes it takes like a few months for something and then sometimes years, but it's just like, there's just this ease of, I'm really aware and in tune with what it is that is of value and meaning to me. Like Mm -hmm. it's my kids, it's my, and so now the people that are in my life, I know how to build teams now because I know how to have those conversations in a different way to, to build that out. Instead of like being like, oh, I'm going to take on another thing now and I'm going to drown in my overwhelm. I don't feel overwhelmed. I have yeah. moments, mm-hmm. but I feel like I know how to practice having the tough conversations, setting up my boundaries, asking for help when I need to, which used to be, I used to turn all red when I would ask for help. Yeah. Um, and now it's just like, you know what? I, I, I need help here. And I don't even know what I'm asking for sometimes, mm-hmm. like, but I just need to talk it out. 
Yeah, I mean, like one of the things I love about what you said is I think we often we often we look at successful people, right? Like yourself, like me, obviously with this podcast, right? Stomping Jen. <laughs> That's right. That's um, right. <laughs> um, Very successful. Right. Um, <laughs> and we 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 don't realize often that there have been struggles and that improvement has been incremental. Like I, I you know, like I was just thinking about what you said, how you know, you were able to kick your drug habit like 15 years ago, and then you just got, you know, off of alcohol four or five years ago. And I say that as somebody who stopped drinking 110 days ago, right? Like I looked at my sober clock the other day. Um, Congratulations. Thank you. Um, And I I actually recorded a whole like half hour. um, 15 minutes. 15 minutes. Thank you, Stomping Guy. See, I'm (laughs) always um, over, over, always overselling myself. But, um, and uh, where was I going with this? Um, You stopped drinking. Yeah. And, you know, that solved and helped with some areas of my life, but not everything. Right. And, um, you know, I, I talk about, on this podcast a lot about how I suffer from generalized anxiety disorder and, you know, like stopping drinking helped that tremendously. Right. Um, like the, the radical ups and downs I was experiencing Mm -hmm. for years with my emotional, um, and cognitive state, like related to those things. I didn't understand how they were connected, um, until I, you know, stopped and Mm -hmm. was able to sit in that for a while and understand that connection I hadn't seen before. But, Um, so what I'm saying is that, you know, sometimes just taking one step is enough that can, it may not fix everything that's, um, troubling you in your life, but it may fix enough to allow you to get to that next step and then that next step and then that next step. So, um, are they baby steps? They can be. It was a joke. No, I have tiny little feet, so no, they might be. <laughs> I do. I, I have really about. small feet. We share. We share shoes. I have big feet. That's an I no. Feet. You don't. I have tiny feet. Okay. <laughs> so. Well, it like you guys are a good match. <laughs> yeah. um, so I guess I. I mean I think that's an important thing. You know to to recognize. So just not try to tackle all of your issues all at the same time. That it could be one yeah. little thing inch at a time. Yep, yeah. and also that exactly. And also that really successful um, people, people, you know, also experience um, issues that they need to deal with, too. Everybody has challenges. Yeah. For sure. There's this book that I'm holding up here called One Small Step Can Change Your Life. And it's all about how the nervous system learns. Mm -hmm. And um, one thing that they they give an example of is like, you know, New Year's resolutions, they go to... crap yeah, yeah. Really you could say shit <laughs> <laughs> you can curse like a sailor <laughs> we're be we're we're be we're behave we're behaving because you know you're you're really good company for us so you're bringing our well, level of uh yeah professionalism up here <laughs> oh how nice thank you oh yes no i do like to swear you can um, swear. so th- thank you okay so <laughs> So New Year's resolution go to shit really quickly. And it's this like tendency for us to be like, I'm going to lose 20 pounds now. Mm -hmm. And so the nervous system is like, it's too, it's too much for us to like take. So this book is all about how do we set our bodies up for success and how do we like, how is learning successful? It's through those increments that you were just talking about. And 
they say like, if you want to organize, like reorganize, like people are like, I'm going to reorganize, like I've done this, like I'm going to take everything out of my closet and reorganize it. It's beautiful. And then a week later, it's a mess again. Um, so what they say to do is you take like, if you want to organize like your desk as an example, and this is the example they give, you remove a paper clip. And then the next day you remove like a piece of paper. And what you're doing is you're setting your body up for success that you're doing it a little bit at a time. And then the consistent, like the consistency is there. So with exercise, there was a single mom that came in and said, the doctor said, you're you know overweight, your blood pressure is high, cholesterol, all this stuff. Can you exercise? And she's like, oh, I know I need to exercise. And he's like, okay, how about this? How is like, do you watch TV at night? Yes, I watch TV at night. Well, how about you during the commercials, you march in place for 30 seconds as a start. Do that for like the, the next like month or whatever. And she's like, yeah, I can do that. So then she did that and he's like, okay, great. Now, how about like for a minute? And then, and then like built it up to the point where she was like exercising 30 minutes a day and it was sustainable. Like that's the sustainable result is by doing things incrementally over time versus like going in big, mm-hmm. uh, which is my, like, I'm like, I'm an all or nothing person, which, you know, that do, doesn't really work successfully for everybody. You mean I shouldn't be beating myself up because I didn't do the Murph challenge today? What's a Murph challenge? Oh, the Murph challenge is like a serious. What is it? <laughs> no, start with like that like quarter like mile run, right? Like, what is Murph? So, so, so I, I just, Murph. I actually, I think I just learned about this today, but several people that I know have been talking about this all day. So it's like a challenge in the CrossFit community. Okay. Which I know Andrea and her husband do. Mm-hmm. I think he might have posted about it, and he said that you kicked ass in it. Uh, but it's like you run a mile. I, well, I, kicked, I kicked his ass. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> mile. Weighted vest on. Yeah, so you run a mile, mm-hmm. and then you do a hundred pull-ups, two hundred push-ups, and three hundred squats, and then you run another mile. Is this all within a day? Yeah, yeah. I don't think you have to do it like all like. Like oh, wow. sequentially, you can mm-hmm. like break it up, I think. Okay. Uh, is what I've learned. And you can modify it, I guess. If okay. <laughs> like oh, you sure. can't. But like, I was thinking about it and I was like, oh, I'm so glad we're talking to Andrew today because I can't do one pull up. <laughs> like, in my mind, I'm like, 100 pull ups? That's a fuck ton of pull ups. I cannot even, my is mind is just like, <sighs> yeah. So you start with um, half of one or whatever well, you that can was, do. Well, that was the interesting thing. Yeah. So, like, so this. One of my clients, this woman I know she's been doing since the pandemic, she's been doing like working on her, her own personal health and like increasing her workouts and whatever. So she did like a modified version of the Murph challenge mm-hmm. and she did like, she said she did dumbbell rows instead of pull-ups or something like that. And she did her push-ups on her knees and whatever. Yeah. And that's what I love about, that's what I love about CrossFit is that you yeah. can make it scalable and people from like all different health backgrounds come in and they start where they're at and then they get, they get better yeah. over time because they're practicing with the scales and then they can get to the, the RX as they call it version of it. And yeah, and there, which is what I did. Like I didn't, I could do, I've done, I've done pull-ups my, since I was a teenager, I used to have a pull-up bar over my my door remember did you guys at gym have the presidential challenges where you had to like oh, yeah. climb rope and then like run uh-huh. and then like girls had to like hold up over the bar instead yes. of doing ups yes and i like as a little scrawny kid like i rocked that like i could stay up there for a long time so i'm like i want to pull a bar like i want to learn how to like do this and like get better at it and so i did it i used to before i'd go into my bedroom as a kid i would just do pull-ups so now i can do pull-ups just fine because I've been practicing and I wanted to like do handstands 
So now I can do handstand walking because it's like, just takes a little bit of practice. You start like going up against a wall and then like you hold it, you get comfortable and then you start, you know, it's just like little, that's exactly what it is. It's little steps at a time. So now I feel like there's, and we can always, this is the thing I love about learning too, is that like this whole thing of like, well, you can't teach an old dog new tricks is like BS because it takes 30. There was a study done. I think it was UC Berkeley where they showed it takes 300 iterations for your body to learn something new with intentional practice. So the example is, you know, driving a car, riding a bike, Mm -hmm. right? It takes those 300 iterations. And what gets in the way of people learning new things at different ages is the emotional part of frustration. I can't do this. I'm Mm -hmm. not good at this. And it's like, no, your body's just not yet organized. But if you have the intentional practice to learn anything at any age and you do it those 300 times, that it'll actually get familiar. And then 3000, it's like embodied. So, and then like, you know, 10,000, it's like, you know, you're a master there, but um, there's, so can I demonstrate this with you for a second? Yeah, sure. Are you going to do a handstand? <laughs> no, 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 no. I know, I know. I got all like, yeah, I'm adjusting myself, uh, listeners. So if you, if you cross your arms, if you cross your eyes and listeners, if, unless you're driving, please, I invite you to do the same. So if you cross your arms, yep, I'll cross them. Okay. okay. <laughs> Crossing my arms. Yep. Now cross them the other way. I don't know if I can know if how to do that. Can. Wait, it went the right, it went the same okay. way. And now cross them the other way. I think and I'm now doing cross it, right? them the other way. Okay. It's getting easier. Yes. <laughs> what are you noticing, Jen? Cross them the other way. Yeah. I couldn't do it at first. Because well, you have to think about it. Right. It's intentional until your muscle gets the memory. Well, yeah. it's the same as like yoga. Like you do all like the workouts and then you're repetitive and then you do, I don't know if you do yoga or anything. I don't know if anybody does yoga. I mean, people do yoga, obviously, but like yeah. you do these sun salutations. So you do them mm-hmm. one slowly and then you pick up speed and you do it with your instructor and then she lets you go and then you do it and it's, like you do the flow, right? right? It's the same kind of concept, right? Yeah. Well, we So we've been dealing with a, a similar thing here. So my 12, soon to be 13 year old, just learned to use the riding tractor. And I was doing this. He Today was his second time mowing the entire yard by himself. And we were talking, okay. trying, I was trying to um, um, debrief with him about his experience and if he liked it and what he, if it was everything he thought it was going to be. And he's like, it's kind of (laughs) boring. And so I said to him, well, at some point I said, once I'm confident you've gained mastery, you've done it enough times where you don't even have to think about operating the tractor, Hmm. then I'll let you listen to music or an audio book or, but I need to be absolutely sure you've done it enough and you can like work. Yeah. And like you have that muscle memory and you. And that's exactly what it is. And so many people like with the crossing of your arms thing is people like a lot of times people like, oh, this is uncomfortable. Like, oh, I don't know. I can't do this. And it's like, okay, that's what gets in the way of learning. But like you guys discovered is that if you do it enough time, it gets easier with practice. So that's like that edge. Like that's that learning place of, oh, if I like with me, it's my anxiety if I just pay attention to where my anxiety is showing up and what it's trying to inform me, I can actually breathe with it and notice, okay, what's the story? Like, okay, my, I'm getting ready to do something 
and I'm nervous about it. Is it grounded? Like, is that like a real thing? Like, do I need to prepare in some way? It's like, okay, I need to prepare in some way. And so then it like, instead of wanting the anxiety to go away and then like it amping up, which was my experience, it's like being in the discomfort of the anxiety, breathing with it, and just being in the question of what is this informing me? And then moving from there versus trying to like suppress it, get rid of it. And then like, like, that's what I would do is I would distract myself Mm -hmm. and, and the same with any emotion. And when I work with like kids and I work with like young, young kids, as young as five, and I'll say to them, you know, like, first of all, we need to normalize that we have emotions. And second of all, we need to give uh, the uh, emotional literacy to kids. So when they're acting out big, like angry or frustration, it's like, Oh, are you frustrated? And my like my kid will be like, no, I'm not frustrated. I'm mad. I'm so mad. It's like, okay, what are you mad about? And being able to validate it, which right. growing up, I don't know about you guys, but like there was no validation of any emotion. It was like, stop crying, don't be a baby, get over it. And it was like, mm-hmm. okay. And then we learn how to hold it. Yeah. So then it's armored in our like body. So as adults, we're like <gasps> still holding our breath instead of like, oh, allowing ourselves to be in that discomfort and know that like we have over 200 emotions and to be able to like navigate them and know that sometimes it's going to be uncomfortable and like just to sit with it is a part of the human experience and a part of the learning process. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You I mentioned think kids need to know this. Yeah. You mentioned before that you do Aikido and I know Aikido to be, I think one of the few martial arts that focuses on thinking about the energy like coming at you, right? The external energy coming at you and how you work with that to um, mitigate the threat that that energy might pose. And is that an intentional um, choice by the Generative Leadership Institute to focus on Aikido is a like a physical kind of martial art that's also a metaphor for how we deal with yeah. um, threats in the form of like energies coming at us. I was, I just thought that was really interesting. Totally. So not every person. So I did do a few years of Aikido. Yeah. Um, and not everyone that goes to the institute does Aikido, but we integrate it into. So there is something called we call it the two step, but it's called um, ten can or there's a move and I'm saying it's so wrong. So I'm so sorry if there's any Aikido <laughs> practitioners out there, but basically it's a move. It's a basic move, like the wax on wax off um, mm-hmm. where once you like, you're able to be in a stance and to be able to move. So you're taking like two steps and you're learning how to center in motion, meaning like you're in this like fully aware state mentally, emotionally, spiritually, and Aikido is all about, like you said, diffusing the energy of the other. So other martial arts, like it's about fighting back, defense. This, the only way you can master Aikido is by relaxing into the attack. So someone's coming at you and you're breathing, you're noticing like your, your fight flight response or freeze. Um, so it's a nervous system thing where you're responding. And the practice is like when the new practitioners get on the mat, they're like, <gasps> and they're all tense up. And it's like, okay, now, now first practice, relaxing, feeling the mat, softening your knees, being in the stance of being centered, and then notice the energy coming. And you're just like, it's beautiful. Cause it's just like, 
it's Tai Chi and like the, the beautiful movement, but it's Aikido in that it's Aikido where you're actually diffusing, blocking, and then the enemy or the attacker gets down on the mat because you're in flow and relaxing into rather than tensing up and exerting energy. And that's exactly why they chose this at the Institute is because when we're in a work situation and, and you have multiple things coming at you, which in Aikido, there's something called the Rondori. The practitioner, the Aikido practitioner is in the middle of all of these people in the middle of the mat and everyone's coming up attacking Mm -hmm. the person. And so it's like, you need to like ward everybody off. And that's what life is. So when we have like multiple emails or multiple things happen is how do we stay relaxed and ever vigilant to what do I need to take care of right now? Okay. I need to say no to you. Okay. And then you can like, be like, okay, come over here, have a conversation. No, not right now. And it just allows you to have this bigger container for dealing with the external stresses. Because the thing about stress is that it's not the external situation. It's our internal interpretation of it because we're going to have different, like me and my husband, we have very different interpretations of external events where he might be more calm in some situations and I might be freaking out and then vice versa in certain situations. So the better able we as human beings are able to know that we have choice in every moment, that whatever's coming at us is that we don't have to react. We can actually be like, ah, okay, like I have a choice in the situation rather being a victim of it, Mm -hmm. then it just allows us this like capacity to move through life in a really effortless and just beautiful way. So that's why they they choose Aikido as a way to get it in our body. And what I think is interesting, so um, I have a little bit of personal experience with it in that I have a friend, I think, who is like a black belt. And when we were teenagers, one of our favorite things we used to do was kind of like spar with him and he would he he was the aikido black belt and he would ask us to like throw punches at him or you know like attack him and so you would do that as the friend and then you would find yourself like lying on the ground <laughs> like and have no i would like to have no recollection of how i got there but you were unharmed in the process too and yeah. and he would be standing there with his big goofy smile on his face um yeah my friend uh paul yeah. Like, awesome. yeah. And I, and so I always, I was always appreciative of it as a, um, as a, as a martial art that didn't, um, you know, kill the attacker in the process either. Or, and, and when you yeah. extend that to the, the metaphor about, um, all of the things that come at us in daily life, mm-hmm. like, even when your um, fight response is activated, like maybe it isn't the best thing to kill those things. Maybe it's to, <laughs> you know, to, to deal to deal with them in a gentle way that redirects that <laughs> maybe energy. It is. And yeah. Maybe it is appropriate. And that's the thing is like when you're in choice, it's like yeah. maybe it is appropriate to, you know, like I have had these like angry, like just being really, like I used to be angry all the time. Yeah. And now there's certain times like circumstances where I'm like really angry and I'll have words with somebody, but it's appropriate. And I'm in choice because it's appropriate, mm-hmm. right? The different emotions, as long as we're totally centered with, okay, is this like the appropriate, is this what I'm committed to in this relationship or this moment? It's like, yeah, sometimes you get a kill. Mm-hmm. Not literally, not literally. Yeah. <laughs> I was just thinking about, yeah. we went for a walk tonight. Oh, uh, are you going to talk about, talk about my, yeah. my, so, <laughs> so frame. I would just want you to frame this in the right way. As I said, I'm having very unhealthy thoughts right now. So go ahead. 
about the pandemic and, and people not so, wearing masks. You know, people we're in yes. this we're in this you know socially responsible quandary right now in this country where there are people who you know they they feel their civil liberties are being infringed upon and that they should be allowed to walk around without a mask and a lot of people are using excuses and um you know i think we are trying to do the socially responsible thing here in our household and listen to the scientists and Wear, wearing is wear, caring <laughs> wear a mask Masking in the glory of the mask right is that what mm-hmm. you came up with Lisa? i like I like that, but I, I prefer wearing is caring. Wearing is caring. Wearing is caring yeah. Too. So, you know, we, we, as a family, we went out to the bike path tonight. Um, we were all going to ride our bikes, but um, as, uh, as the universe held true, uh, the kids ended up on bikes and we ended up just walking. And yeah. so we were strolling along on the bike path because we, because our daughter space unicorn <laughs> forgot the bicycle pump she forgot the bicycle pump so uh there was a yeah. lack of air in one of, in some of the tires but anyways um you know we encountered many people on our walk um some of which were wearing a mask and some of which were not and every time we passed people uh sawtooth would turn to me and just be like why do i just want to kill these people <laughs> we're not wearing a mask and he you know i feel like he's been struggling with it a lot more than i have but this idea that um feel kind of foolish when you're trying to do the socially responsible thing and you feel like everybody else isn't doing it so like why why do why are we the ones who are being made to look like fools or you know maybe somebody else has the right answer or you know like mm-hmm. you know like i think there's so much unknown and that's the yeah. part that I struggle with uh, internally um, about like what to do, what the right thing to do is um, in any given okay. moment or situation. Yeah. But I yeah. think I, this time. I think what I said to you is I'm having very unhealthy <laughs> thoughts right now. And <laughs> do you want me to share them with you? And, and stomping Jen, always, always a sport for hearing my, <laughs> my dark, dark thoughts. I said, yeah, sure. Please. Um, saw to yeah. share those with me. And I said, okay, so every time somebody comes by me, not wearing a mask, I want to hit them with a baseball bat. Right. So then yeah. we had a conversation about those those horribly violent urges, <laughs> and then I said, "I have to I have to talk to my therapist about this because <laughs> it is clearly troubling me." Yeah. Like yeah. clearly, and then we, then we had a conversation though about all of the reasons why, like, yeah, what what exactly you know I'm feeling about this is because right. I'm investing a lot of energy and thought into. Um, trying to care for other people and wearing a mask, you know? Totally. And there's this like, so in, and our energy, energy follows attention. So where we give our attention is where energy follows. And so there can be a dangerous path down the like, focusing on that because I'm with you. Like there's these moments where I'm like, cause I was at the Quabbin yesterday. And then I went to, we went to Mount Norwatok and Chris and I, and my friend Jess and I, we had our masks on. And not everybody did. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, like there's this feeling of like some disgust, anger. And then I'm like, okay, you know, what can I, for me, it's like, where do I want my energy to go right now? Like where, like, so then I need to like pay attention for me is like, where is the best use of my attention right now? And does it make sense for me to say something to some people? Maybe others, maybe not. And it's like, 
So what can I do? The best I can do is take care of myself and do the socially responsible thing that I see, but I'm with you because there's like this range of emotions of like ignorant and then like the stories of ignorance and Mm -hmm. I can quickly go down. And I think many of us can go down that path, especially now, because there is a lot of fear and it's not, there's, it's still out there. Like, it's not like there's no cure for it. There's no vaccine. So if we don't know, then err on the side of like caution, right? Just they're saying to do it. Like, let's, like you said, trust the scientists and do it. And people have their own agendas and are like, well, I'm not going to live in fear. It's like, it's not about living in fear. It's actually about the opposite. It's about taking care and being in safety. Um, and I try, so, so I try to have compassion for the people that aren't. And it, it is at moments, it is hard for me. I admit that, um, cause I don't understand it either. Yeah. Like why not just be cautious? And I want to ask too, Jen Shingles, how are you doing? Oh with gosh. Shingles? Oh, they're gone. I think. Are they gone? You tell me. I think they're gone. I don't know. It's weird. Cause I didn't get like a very severe case of, of them. So, you know, people kept saying, oh, they're going to be terrible. It's gonna, my doctor was like, it's going to get worse. But like once I was on the meds and actually. They got it early enough. I guess so. Work? Yeah, it was know. gone in like a, a week. I mean, the rash cleared up and. Oh, that is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for asking. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. Uh, you know, it's like funny because my. My doctor was like, are you under a, a lot of more like undue stress? And I'm like, um, Hell I don't know. yeah, doctor. And then, and then I, that. Yeah, yeah. And then I, and then I had my own therapy like two days later and I was talking to her and she was like, yeah. And I was like, oh, well, my dad did get into a car accident and, you know, totaled his car. And I was like, maybe that had something to do with that. He's in Florida. You know, I can't see him. It's just yeah. like a whole yeah. host of things. But, um. I am the stuff it down emotion kind of kind of uh-huh. girl, like distractify, distract, 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 defend, uh-huh. deflect. Um, so I try to hold myself together for everybody else. So everything for me is subconscious. So it's not really that crazy that it um, came out <laughs> shingles. You know, so. there is a book that I love called um, I. I think it's when the body says no or the body says no mm-hmm. by Dr. Gabor Mate. He's this Canadian physician who has found through uh, evidence that cancer, autoimmune, um, anything that manifests in the body comes from like right. stress and a lot of childhood, like our body, like can only hold it for so long. So yeah. it's amazing that like when our body is speaking to us yeah. to be able to say, Oh, time to like listen versus right. ignore it. So it's so good that you did so early on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was that was. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> shingles. Yeah, that was a little nuts. And I think more than ever, right now, yeah. this pandemic and these situations that we're talking mm-hmm. about um, oh, yeah. reveal the importance of leadership, right? Oh. And, and the the kind of work you're doing. Yeah. Um, you know, one one question I had written down that I really want to ask you, um, and some of this, some of these come out of my own experience in leadership. Um, I never viewed myself mostly because of my upbringing and the narratives that were put upon me as somebody who is even capable of being in a leadership position. Mm-hmm. So, and look at you now. 
Look at me now. <laughs> I know. I want to um, learn so much about the role and what you're you're playing. Like I I, I want to know more about that. Yeah, I mean, I am. Um, so I am co-president of one of our largest labor unions in Western Massachusetts. Um, I, until about nine months ago, managed a staff of like fifteen people. So you know, I was responsible for, mm-hmm. um, you know, um guiding a lot of folks in their day-to-day yeah, work. Yeah, that's a lot. That's a lot of people to yeah. have um, support. But I think the, and, you know, I also in my union work was involved with confronting an incredibly toxic leader and kind of through, the best way to describe it is a, a grassroots social movement, you know, oh. with the help of the union getting the university leadership to see that they needed to make some changes there. Mm. Um, so those, those experiences, I think, right. and then I've gone through some leadership training. Yeah, uh, We've both gone through leadership pioneer Valley. I don't know if you, yeah. Leadership pioneer Valley, which is a local leadership development um, program or uh, program uh, focused on the pioneer Valley. So, um, awesome. and, but prior, like prior to getting involved in, any of that you know i never saw myself as somebody who was even capable of being a leader i just remember he had a job before he went back to school like for 11 years and he was like the assistant manager what was your title assistant director or uh, something? Uh, that one assistant manager I think. something like that or senior manager something like that so like he was like second in command and he was managing, but he wasn't managing because his manager was really had a, had the pulse, like really was running the show basically. And I I was a business management major. Um, I worked in retail. I was a manager of people. And I would say to him, I'm like, you're not really getting management skills and experience because she's not really allowing you to actually manage people and he didn't really understand and you'd get really mad at me yeah and when you went back to school and you took a assistantship I think you finally started to understand what I was talking about yeah I mean uh, and a lot of it was I didn't have real experience um being in a position where you're actually guiding people and being a coach like you um talk about Andrea um so you know, I think that that's something I'm really curious about based on my own experience um, is do you get people in your program or do you um, interact with people who say to you, you know, I don't know why I'm here. I'm not a leader. And oh, yeah. how, how do you start with those people? You know, like and, and how, you know, what is that process like of starting to build them up and and helping people see, you know, that they can be leaders totally and I like what you're saying resonates with me because I'm like I who you know I was a hundred out of 110 in my class rank I like like I I wasn't I, you know I skipped school I, all that stuff and I'm like and I'm gonna be a, a leader like what who yeah. and 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 people like that guy who laughed in my face didn't see it and my parents were a little doubtful too not gonna lie um that's a whole other story um so it's like how do you hold leadership so so for me, it's like, we're each leaders of our life. And in order, because a lot of people, they do, they have that story, like, well, I don't have any of whatever experience. And it's like, well, did, we're not born leaders. We're not born shy. We're not born confident. These are things that are intentionally learned skills and practices. So 
for me, the conversation is, where are you? Like when you, you look at value, meaning and satisfaction in individual lives, it's up to the interpretation of the individual. So there, where I grew up, big houses, big things, second mm-hmm. house, third houses, that was it. Like that was what it was all about. And that's where I was like, go, like that was the track that I was on. But like, I felt like something was missing. And I realized I don't give a shit about that. I don't want a big freaking house. Like, I don't like, that's nice, but it's not me. The value for me is not that. So leadership is all about like, what matters to me? And if I want to be in an organization where I want or do a, a, a mission, like a labor union or doing something where I want to make a difference in people's lives, that is leadership. So it's like, it, it's, it's, it's our interpretation. And I think it's something that is not like, we don't ask what is education? What is learning? What is leadership? We're just like, oh, leadership is like, you make money, you're a CEO, you're a title. No, right. man. No. Like, that doesn't make you, you're the president, right? That doesn't make you a competent and able empathetic leader. It's like, I remember I asked one of our students um, years ago, um, what is your interpretation of leadership? And he's like, and he wanted to be in a leadership role. And he's like, Someone who tells people what to do. Um, and it was like someone who gives directives or like, but doesn't follow them himself. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm like, you're <laughs> you're saying you want to be a leader. And is that the leader you want to be? And he was like, no. Oh my, like, he's like, I never thought of it. Like, I never was in that question. I never even thought about it. And I was like, this program is for you. Because it's like, it's a whole new interpretation and reconstruction. And this is where I see this work within education now, this is a time for us now that we're trying to figure out what are we doing in the fall mm-hmm. for like kids right. is let's not look at learning and education and leadership in education in the old paradigm. We cannot move forward with like, okay, we have the way that we did things. And now we're going to like try to fit that in this box. It's like, we have a pandemic here. We have social safety distancing concerns. We can't just even if this schools did open and we follow the CDC guidelines, it it's not, it's going to, it's going to be terrible, right? Mm-hmm. There's going to be teachers at risk, exposed, sick and all of this stuff. So let's not look at logistically how we need to like manage this. Like, let's look at the whole experience. Like what is the learning experience we want to produce for our kids, our future leaders as a whole, like let's zoom out and ask that question now. Yeah. And let's like, like use this opportunity to say, okay, this is an industrial era system of education that is not um our anxiety rates our uh prescription rates are are going up depression suicide all that and younger populations like let's look at that and talk about what do we want to produce in the well-being of these kids and these teachers and support communities school systems students so we're actually reframing education in a new way in light of this pandemic, not trying to pretend like the pandemic isn't here and we need to like follow these guidelines. It's like, let's not the pandemic be the context for how we're like operating. Like let's create a new context for how we actually want to be engaging with our kids in our communities together differently. Not saying I have the answer, um, but I just see this as an opportunity for us to look at leadership and education and learning differently now. Yeah. I mean, and I wholeheartedly agree. And I think that the children, the kids are like, out of everybody who's been affected by this, besides the people that are unfortunately passing away from this terrible disease, but it's like the kids are getting so shit on so terribly. Like they're, 
I don't even know. But they're also they're also the ones who are sucking it up and you know doing better than the adults when it comes to just making the best with what they're being given, right? Well, I mean, you don't know that that's true. For well, every that's household. true. I don't know that that's true <laughs> it's for every true household. In our household. Yeah, <laughs> but I mean, I mean, yes, like you know, I could see totally that this would be totally an opportunity to kind of rethink things um i mean for, for me many different yeah sorry and say along those lines and like andrea said I, I mean i don't think that this pandemic is revealing the answers to anything but it's no. revealing a lot All of the weaknesses, the weaknesses <laughs> and these systems that we have set up and have taken for granted that yeah. these that's the way that it has to be. be right yeah right yeah it's, it's true it's horrible it's true. I mean, we could spend hours and hours and, and hours it could and be, and it could, be, and it could be an opportunity for reframing things. Um, I, it is, and I'm like, I this is, I just yeah. see it's such a huge opportunity. And I, like, my ten year old was spending um, time learning how to garden with our neighbor, and he's like out riding his bike with the kids, and they're like keeping their distance for the most part, but like they're he's engaged in different conversations. I'm like, imagine. I see a possibility here where communities are coming together to say, okay, we're all in this together. Like homeschooling used to be just such like a little niche thing. And it's Mm -hmm. like, how do we expand it where we're actually helping each other and like teachers are involved and the school's involved. So that's how I'm approaching it is like, I want to get like Belchertown and local districts involved and like, let's look at like what education is and can be in a different way. And really like my main concern is the mental health issue, the anxiety, the depression, the isolationism, and just being able to say, okay, we have this curriculum. How do we integrate this in with the curriculum? So again, it's not an add-on, but it's like actually a part of it. And we're actually teaching kids things that are going to be useful for them, Mm -hmm. um, like gardening or cooking Mm -hmm. or, you know, whatever. But we, yeah, I think this is a really wonderful opportunity for us to just, and I think that the system the school system perhaps aren't able to like approach it this way because they have these other, you know, mm-hmm. mandates that are being forced upon them. So um, I'm, I'm just wondering if there's a way that community can come together in a different way. So that's what I'm in, I'm putting out there in the universe yep. and saying, okay, yeah. like this is how things happen. Right. Yeah. Yeah. One, what, and you know, I, what I want to say too, um, and not just because you're on with us, um, like I really appreciate that you are a woman who is in charge of a leadership development program. Like Stomping Jen and I were talking about this a couple of days ago. I can't remember how, and I was sharing with her and like fully recognizing there are a lot of terrible women leaders out there too, right? But on the whole, I think there's a much bigger problem with toxic masculinity and mm-hmm. the patriarchy and misogyny in the workforce. Like that's a real problem. And I'm going to get there. And I think, I think more, um, more, um, uh, women leaders in our workforce can help with that. And I was sharing with stomping Jen that I feel like incredibly grateful that I didn't ever have a male boss really until maybe nine years ago. Um, you know, like, you know, my first, manager when I was a teenager and I worked at McDonald's was a woman. Then I went into the army and just by chance, like all of the people who were in charge of my career in the army were women. And then my first job outside of college, my first boss was a woman and right up the line until my first, 
well, even my first position um, large university. Sorry, I have to write that down. I don't like to say where I work. Um, see, I'm getting too comfortable with you, Andrea. Um, my So my first um, position at large university, um, I had a woman um, for a boss. Mm-hmm. And then it wasn't until after that that I had a male boss. Right. And so um, I have really valued and appreciated um, having... Women's good, strong um, women as leaders in my life, my professional life. I mean, like me? Like, well. <laughs> well, I, actually, it was as yeah. you were saying, it makes so much sense that you did it with Jen. Like, that makes sense. <laughs> Seriously, though. Yeah, so I, I think, you know, I think we need more strong women leaders. Right, except... Well, again, yeah. talking about the pandemic, right? Like yeah. there's all these articles that you read that women are also going to end up being victims. Totally. Of right. this because of childcare. Yeah. Because women are still <clears throat> usually the primary childcare provider in the household. Right. And, and even if, I mean, there was an article recently about crying, like men and crying and vulnerability. Like even if like men espoused some of the feminine Cause I am not a, like for me, like I, I don't consider myself a nurturing, like now I am cause I've practiced it. But like when I was like a mom and for my, my older ones, when they were younger and with Chris, like he's definitely the more nurturing in this relationship. And I have learned a lot from him to do that and to connect with people in a different way. But I felt like as a leader in an, a healthcare or a male dominated industry, I needed to be more masculine and I needed mm-hmm. to, and there were certain, I was a tomboy as a kid and there were certain things that were reinforced coming into this position, my position as, as a, I'm putting quotes leader. It wasn't a generative leader. It was like just being in that role, but it's been a real like to, and I meet a lot of the people that are at the Institute are men and they are like really nurturing and really like they know how to connect and lead in really like impactful ways because they get the human connection of leadership. So I think it's, it's not so much about the woman versus the men as much as it is like, how do we like engender these ways of connecting and nurturing Mm -hmm. in a selfless and giving way. Mm -hmm. And, and it is also a concern of my agenda that you, you do name that, that, and we do have the issue of inequity and who is this going to hurt the most. And like, that's a whole other societal issue, systemic mm-hmm. issue that we have. Um, so yeah, it's interesting. Um, yeah. yeah. All of these things sort of layer into each other. Yeah. And how do we give people equal opportunity in a system that does, does not allow for that? And also how do we, how do we get the inspiration from the women leaders to engender that whomever, whatever gender, you know, we identify with. Yeah. The work with the women's collaborative, like that continues on. Yeah. Yeah. We're doing it virtually. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I unfortunately never, um, was able to come to any of the meetings or get really truly involved because I have a lot going on, um, on my end too, but, um, how dare you? She's a friend. I consider Jen a friend of the club. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's always been, a, you know, a goal for us to do some collaborative work um, with the Women's Collaborative. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, we've talked about this a couple of times. It's just, it's just for whatever reason, this hasn't happened. But um, 
So I have another question. No, I wanted to know more. Oh, about you did. The- Sorry. <laughs> I didn't realize that. Collaborative and like what the outcomes of that is, you know, like I've seen some, some of the, you know, the people that I know have gotten involved in it. Okay. Sorry. Don't apologize. I'll step back. Okay. Ask your question. That was my question. (laughs) What were the outcomes of that? Gina and I, our intention with this was to build community. We're like, I don't know my neighbors well. I don't know people in the community. And we know that we need community for us to be connected and thrive. And how do we like, create this because we're so busy in our lives. And um, so really that was like it, that was like the intention. And so what we, what has come of it is there's been a core group of women, like every, so we meet virtually now once or twice a month. And when we were in person, it was the same either once or twice a month. And there was like, there's some women who come like every time. Mm -hmm. And then there's Mm -hmm. some who like, you don't see for months. One was like gone for a year and then came back. And it's like, just kind of like, there's no membership. There's no like mandatory, whatever you come. Like sometimes we've had four people. Sometimes we've had 20 Mm -hmm. come to Mm -hmm. meetings and we hold them anyway. um, Because it's just about like, whatever shows up, shows up. So the biggest thing that's resulted from it are like these deep friendships. There are like, it makes me so happy when I see like on Facebook that like, you know, this person's hanging out with this person and like they celebrated whatever together. And it's like, so there's just been this deepening of connection and friendships and then people who are going through like, like losing a parent or going through a divorce. And there are so many women in the group that have experienced the same. So there's just a support network Mm -hmm. there Mm -hmm. that people are like bonding over um people have done like exercise challenges together decluttering challenges together so these like little like mini communities and some things that are happening like people go on walks together like that gene and i aren't even aware of because there's just like mini communities being set up from it and it just it's like the best oh people do crap like i'm not an arts and crafts kind of person like i love art because you know chris does um he's a, a masterful painter but i I'm not like a crafty kind of person. So like there people have their arts and crafts nights and I'm fine not being a part of it, but I love that it happens because yeah. it's, mm-hmm. that's what some yeah. people want to do. And it's so cool. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. I, love, I, I feel that way a lot. Like the tribe that I built, like my little tribe yeah. that I built with the cultural council. Like we still, like we are on group texts, like we chat all the time. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's awesome. Yeah. And I'm so, and yeah, Chris and I were talking to the kids about that tonight. And like just all that you have done, Jen, for the community has been like amazing. And we are so grateful for that because uh-huh. you're making us like a hip, cool town. Oh, I am. <laughs> the belt. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> oh, I love it. I mean, you know, yeah. We don't have to talk about me. <laughs> I'm and getting all like blushing. she's getting and Andrea, <laughs> she's getting that's okay. We could talk about me some more. <laughs> I know. He loves talking about himself. I know. Well, community, right? It's interesting. No, that's what it is. I mean, yeah. that was my whole thing was building community. And yeah. it was all about helping yeah. Belchertown be mm-hmm. the Belchertown that I thought it could be. And whether or not we'll get there, you know, still remains to be seen. I think this, again, this oh, pandemic. like Art walk and getting that, yeah. like, it's there. It's like yeah. everything on pause. It doesn't mean it's got, like, it's still very much of the fabric of our community. Yes. I feel like it's just the lighting of the, all of that's like, it's yeah. just, it's been, I mean, you see the comments on Facebook, mm-hmm. like you experience it. Cause you're there like going to these events. It's like, yes, this is what I wanted. Yeah. Like this is the town I envisioned I would live in. And someone actually took the initiative 
to make this happen and build a team because it's something that she was yeah. committed to and cared about. So yeah. it's like fantastic. Yeah. So and the fact you. that, you know, that you're, <laughs> it's mostly, it's let's, let's be honest. It's mostly because you had a fantastic support yes. system at home that you yes. were able to accomplish all of this. Wasn't it stomping Jen? Yes. So, uh, <laughs> but I mean, it's, it's truly, it you know, it's like, it's truly <laughs> like, you know, I talk about, it's, it's terrible because I'm not on the cultural council anymore. I'm their liaison, you know, and then I talk to other people and I'm like, oh, we, we, we. And then I'm like, oh, wait, I'm not part of it. But every single person who is now on the cultural council is there because of me yeah, and is implementing the, you know, the things that we set up that a lot of them were my brainchild. I was like, you know, oh, but like cool. we talk about like teams, you know, like building teams. Like I couldn't do it. I was trying to do it all by myself. And then you know, the fact that it drew in people and that they built, I built this team of people and I was able to leave that team and it's still happening Yeah, because I built the foundation and now I can move my attention onto something else being the select board. Yeah. And I think I, I th <laughs> but all of that, you know, like just yeah. building the teams and the networks and, um, and it goes back to what I was saying earlier about, it's all about, you. about <laughs> of course, it's always about me. Um, <laughs> no, uh, you know, in, in my wise way i yes. suggested that one of the most rewarding aspects of leadership is right. is being able to build something and right. hand it off and yes. see other people oh, yes. succeed you inspired a lot of people it's true yeah you know and i'll do it again oh thank you yep andrea i don't i don't dole those out very often here oh I, you, yeah. you got you got one stomping jen has got a few oh nobody has a button for you i'm sorry huh? I can't reach no we have one for me it's this one oh. Oh. Yeah, usually because I've put my foot in my mouth. Um, what was I going to say about you? It was something. Um, <laughs> it was something. Oh, so real yes. quick, and, yeah. and sorry, we'll we'll um, just let us know if you if you need to run off, please, because um, we will go on forever, like no joke. Um, so, like last year, this time there was these yes. cultural council grants, and one of the things I was going to do was try to get some money to talk to people from our community right. and do a series of, or, a, or a, a, like a Belchertown only podcast. Which we're kind of now doing, but, but my, I think my, it being. my point was sometimes an idea can lead to greater purpose. And like the fact that I that like doing it for money or getting money and being forced to do it didn't feel right to me. And it mm. took me some time it took something like this pandemic, right, yeah. to really kind of reshift my focus on what I wanted to be doing as somebody in the community and right. reaching out to people and talking to all these amazing people who mm -hmm. live in our town and outside of our town, you know, close by. Um, so stomping Jen, what? I deserve accolades as well. What, what do you deserve accolades for? <laughs> I don't know. I'm hitting this for where, myself. Where did that, where did that go? All where right. did that come from? I don't know. What are you because trying to you say there? To engage more in the community and... Yeah. That's okay. I um, think I think the reason that this all works is because we have, we have the partnership and you absolutely. focus on the things that you're focused on and I focus right. on the things that I That's focus right. on. That's right. Yeah. Um, so what was I going to say? I had I a question. Know. Okay, so <laughs> ba um, back to my list of questions. Um, yes. So, and if you don't have an answer to this, this is okay. Are there any leaders like currently on any scale um, 
that are alive, that are dead, that you really admire and would like to talk to? Hmm. You know, this was a, we were playing a, a trivia game last night mm-hmm. and uh, it was one of the questions is like, if there was a historical figure, who, who would it be? And it was a question for me. Um, and the, the one that came to mind and it's still, it's like Kurt Vonnegut, the author. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and as far as leadership goes, you know, I'm so curious about um, FDR because he created a way to bridge social inequities um, and just approach it in a way that hadn't been approached. And I can only imagine, and I'm not a study, like I don't know, like history is not my thing, but I can only imagine, I mean, with every president, I can only imagine the barriers that get in the way, the naysayers, the lack of support. Um, yeah, you know, someone, and there's not necessarily a a figure that I'm like, oh, I want to. That's a person. But I was watching Becoming, uh, the Michelle Obama. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's on our that's list. That's on our list. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Oh my God! Like her, she talks all about connecting to care. She wants to reach out to kids. She's talking about like how to like in no matter where you're from, where you live, like how it's all about like what's important to you and that there are going to be people that tell you that you can't do it. And there's going to be masks that you feel like you need to wear and just to be aware of that and do what you care about anyway, because like she was like tapping into like the authentic self, like Mm -hmm. beautifully and so articulately. So yeah, no, I suppose there's authors that I love, um, that I really resonate with, but there's no particular leader or leadership style that like, I feel like the people that I'm in leadership conversations with now who are living Mm -hmm. for me are like the most impactful and like amazing. So what are you, um, what are you reading right now? Oh, I'm reading this book. I was actually reading as I was waiting for you. This is called Lost Connections. It's by, he's British, but I think his name is probably pronounced Johan Hari. He's a journalist. And the subtitle here is Why You're Depressed and How to Find Hope. Mm. And I picked this, actually it was recommended by one of our program coaches at the Institute um, who has a history with depression and alcoholism. And it's speaking to how the pharmaceutical company is the one who sponsors all these clinical trials and how it's a hundred billion dollar industry and that the efficacy of meds, because I had been on like a whole cocktail of them at different parts of my life and I'm not anymore. Um, And really what the most effective, this guy traveled the whole world and found the most effective by and large antidepressant is community. Mm. Wow. It's like finding even in when there's like socially disruptive situations that when people come together and they're like, all right, how do we rally here? That's when people who are depressed or like suicidal, like feel this more like uh, second sort of like uh, new appreciation for life yeah. and that there are some clinics uh, in, I, in different parts of the world where they'll give the antidepressant, like the medication, 
because it like helps to get there, like to get you out of that funk, but then they'll combine it with having people do gardening together or doing some project together. Because at first they're not talking about like group therapy. It's like people might be talking about their depression, but when you're doing something together in community, you focus on that and then the relationships build. And then you talk about your depression and then you talk about all of your what you're going through. And then you realize you're not alone. And this is like the thing that like, I find so ironic is that there's increases in um, anxiety and depression in younger populations. And what is that? What does that tell us is that people feel alone yet more people are experiencing this because we don't know how to have the conversations about it. So if there's more ways to set up communities in this way, like the women's collaborative does where we're just like, show up. Don't feel like you need to wear a mask. Like what is going on? People cry every time. Like it's inevitable. Someone cries and then <laughs> they'll say, I'm sorry. Like, I'm sorry. So we have someone started a rule from the collaborative. And she said, every time someone says, I'm sorry, when they cry, you have to replace it with I'm sexy. <laughs> so you have people like, crying like, I'm, so, I'm sexy. I'm sexy. Uh, it's hilarious. That's because funny. you know, sadness is just a normal freaking human emotion. And we, we like ashamed to express yeah. that. So anyway, this book, and then there's this other book that I'm just beginning. I like to read many books at once. Dark Horse Mm. um, by Todd Rose and Ogi Ogas, which I'm probably saying the name terribly. They also write another book called The End of Average that talks about how our current educational system is not setting people up for success. So this is saying achieving success through the pursuit of fulfillment. Um, And it's just... Like, how do we re again, like reconstruct education? So it's about fulfillment, not about like getting, you know, okay. And the standardized tests and all that stuff. So it's a new approach to, to learning. Yeah. I want to just having smart people on. (laughs) Yeah. You were Mm well-learned and read books and (laughs) I do love my books. (laughs) I just wanted the, um, the first book you mentioned, um, have you read Tribe by Sebastian Younger? No, I'm so, going to write it down. <laughs> yeah, so it is kind of the flip side of that first book. It is about how the loss of community is one of the um, is an incredible force for depression. Yeah. Right, and we see and we see that yeah. uh, played out in all sorts of places. But in Sebastian Younger's book, um, he he was a um, he's a journalist. Uh, so he wrote um, the book The Perfect Storm, um, which was about um, that fishing boat that got caught between those two hurricanes in the nineties. They made a movie about yeah, it. Yeah. <laughs> and and one of the one of the things um, that caused him to write this book, Tribe, was he was a war journalist um, and embedded with this military group in Afghanistan, like a really small group and a tribe of soldiers. And he lived with them for a year. And then he talked about how when his assignment was over, um, being with them in these incredibly dangerous experiences and these times when nothing was going on, they were just sitting around bored and just right. being people together. And yeah. like being pulled out of that, he felt this like incredible depression. Void. And mm-hmm. this void in him. And yeah. it... Um, and so anyways, his book is a kind of um, a thesis about the importance of community in our right. lives and what happens when you lose it. Right. That is awesome. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. I love and, it. And as somebody, 
I, I spent about three years in the army and it really resonated with me. And I didn't know it at the time when I left, I was incredibly depressed and it took me about two years to recover and uh-huh. find community. Yeah. Um, Stomping Jen was one of those communities <laughs> I found, but, um, it, so it's just, it was, yeah. it, it's a, such a good, powerful book. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it seems like it's a nice companion piece to the one you mentioned. So. Oh, totally. Yeah. yeah. No, thank you for that. There's in, yeah. and, and this one I just picked up, I, someone on Reddit, um, in the educate, one of the education, um, subreddits talked about this book. I haven't touched it yet, but it's called the teacher wars, a history of America's mm. most embattled profession. So I'm curious cause it, from what I understand, it's like giving different perspectives from the teacher's point of view. Um, you know, the, the, breakdowns of our educational system. So I'm curious as I'm like delving into this area that I really want to help to read about games, yeah. uh, to see what I can learn there. Cool. Yeah. Well, thank you for those recommendations. Um, yeah, my pleasure. All right. We, we have kept you on here for an hour and 40 minutes. Can you believe it? Oh my God. I know <laughs> really fast. So, wow. Thank you. Yeah. Um, stomping Jen. Yes. Is there anything else you want to chat about <laughs> i want to be sen- i want to be sensitive to yes you want to be time. sensitive to your time i think that's what he's and like trying rec- to... recognizing it's almost 10 15 on a school night yeah so. um so uh how do you feel andrea because there are some topics i wanted to talk about mostly the bidet installation <laughs> <laughs> oh god <laughs> yeah so we we usually do like a little news segment about what's going on in our lives is that oh, what you want? Oh, is that oh. what you want to talk about? Yes. Stopping Jen. All right, I'm gonna hit it. Can I? So did you did you do that? Because did you guys have an issue with toilet paper? Because we have been lucky that we have had toilet paper consistently. Yes. So this is not in response to not having toilet paper. It's in response okay. to um, the bombardment of bidet ads I was getting on my Facebook <laughs> feed and um, uh, my curiosity about a bidet. So I took the plunge and I asked a bunch of people, I said, uh, does any, do any of you have a bidet? And so, um, one of my friends said, yes, she has one. She loves it. And it was the one that I was looking at. So I said, okay, whatever. So I'll just get it. The tushy. The tushy. It seems to be very trendy. The bidet is like a, it's an up and coming sort of now it's going to be, I think in everybody's house. Yeah. But I mean, like, you know, there's this whole struggle, I think that we as humans have with toilet paper and feeling clean after you've gone to the bathroom. And so I wanted a solution for that. So, um, we ordered them. It took about a month and a half to get here. And so I installed one of the two, we have some more work to do on the other toilet because it has the wrong pipe fitting on it. But um, we installed it and I love it. I think it's great. My son used oh, it awesome. and I used it. Did you adjust the water temperature? Um, so it's a cold. I'm not going to lie. There's um, one, there are ones yeah. that you can buy that you can heat up the water, but I didn't feel like dealing with the extra energy and time it would take to heat up water. Like I'm like, I can deal with yeah a little bit of cold. Yeah. <laughs> But it's amazing. And I had no idea how it was going to work. Or, you know, you know, Ted said it was a little shocking. But he, I think he saw so, he was like, yeah, I don't need to use toilet paper. It's great. Wow, no kidding. Yeah. That is so good for the environment. That's, wow. Yeah. Yeah. I'm excited. Have you tried it? No, I'm not going near that thing. 
so, so this, so how does a bidet work? Is it, it like an add-on to the toilet? Yes. Yeah. So it's no electricity. You don't need to plug it in or anything. So basically you, the, the pipe, the water supply that goes to the tank, you like basically put in an adapter. So it runs the water through the bidet and it's just, it sits on the back of, you install it on the back of the toilet seat. And it has like a little switch that turns it on. So it'll like open up the water and the water just shoots up through this little spigot that sits in the toilet. Does it shoot up? So that was the thing. It was like, so Ted and I installed it, my son, our son. And we were like, how is it going to work? So we're like, I don't know. So we turn the button and the thing just like flips up slightly and it like opens up and like shoots straight up. So like it was shooting right into our shower. We're like, oh, that's how it works. So do you have to, do you have to adjust? So you're sitting on the toilet. Do you have to adjust yourself because you have a different body yeah no it just i don't know it like knows where to go and there is like a little adjuster lever but (laughs) i don't know it it has a self-cleaning feature too yeah you can clean it off yeah (laughs) not that the nozzle goes anywhere near it oh that's interesting (laughs) any place you don't want it i'm still building up the courage to attempt this just sit on the toilet and just try it this is this is this is this is this what is, is your a, resistance out of curiosity yeah that's a good question i don't like new things it's I, true, I, yeah. I have yeah i have my ways of doing things mm-hmm. and this doesn't fit into that mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. i'm gonna have to build up my courage just try it it's awesome i love it i'm super See, excited this is, this about is, it she's Wait. definitely more adventurous than i am this is true yeah no. i also on a whim this is the other thing we did this weekend. Uh, I purchased two inflatable tandem kayaks on Amazon, <laughs> and we oh, went kayaking. Wonderful. Yeah, that's, I saw the pictures. Yeah, yeah, it looked delightful. It that was, was fun. fun. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. It was fun. I'm like, you know, <laughs> Sawtooth kept saying we didn't do enough research. We didn't do enough. Re- I said they're ninety dollars on Amazon. I'm like, what's it's like the lowest barrier to entry. I'm like, I mean. We're privileged. I'm privileged enough to say that we can afford to spend the ninety dollars on a kayak, but yeah. it wasn't like a six hundred dollar thing. The kayaks? Um, no, they were good. They were just a pain to like blow up and yeah, deflate. We were talking about this, like if we had like a lake house or we were at a vacation place and we had it them inflated, you, they yeah. could sit there, but they're a pain to like blow up and then deflate. And yeah. Then, I mean, it's functional. You can do it. Yeah. It just takes that extra bit of energy as opposed to just like pulling it off. Your yeah. But they were fine. They worked really yeah, well. Yeah, They worked. They didn't, you know, yeah. They didn't think they, they didn't, didn't, we sink. didn't sink. Um, our daughter space unicorn, like was able to climb on and off it and yeah, swim in this swam like, pond. In the lake. Yeah. It was they great. were delightful. Was having yeah. a great time. Yeah. It was actually, it was very nice. Bidet and kayaks. Bidets and kayaks. <laughs> it was our Memorial day weekend. Did you guys yeah. do anything fun over the weekend? You went hiking. You said we went hiking. Um, went to the Quabbin. You went to Norwatic. Oh yeah, yesterday. Yeah, the Quabbin and the Norwatok, and then today hung out with Gina for the first time. So yesterday was the first time I saw my friend Jess, and I don't know two months. Like I've seen anybody. Yeah. The only people I've seen are my parents. They came for my son's birthday, um, and then Jess, and then Gina today came over for mm-hmm. an hour and a half, um, and that was awesome. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so some friend time and some family time. I mean, it's always nice. freaking family time. Yeah. My mm-hmm. old works at Big Y. Um, but for the most part, we're all just here. Yeah. Time. All the time. Nice. All the time. All right. 
<laughs> you watching anything? So the let me show you this picture. Oh again. yeah, I saw it on the wall. I was going to point it out. I forgot. Yeah, what so is that? That's her the rendering. Building. I have a new building that's oh. on Bay. It's right. Building. There's UMass buildings on either side of it. It's going to have a. It's got a, a thousand square foot classroom <laughs> that I won't be able to use <laughs> for a while um, because you know people. It requires people being in it, and then a seven hundred fifty square foot like maker space. I'm going to have like a hands on workshop STEM mm-hmm. um, area that I want eventually to have like um, high school, middle school, and college students, and even adults come and just like do, do some stuff. like hands on, mm-hmm. yeah sciencey technology stuff. Um, and then my friend, Sarah Vittori, who is my partner at lead yourself youth, she's going to have an office there. And then I have an office next to hers and then Desco is going to be headquartered there as well. It's just 4,000 square feet, but that's all we need. Um, but yeah, venture way collaborative. So this is a place I see like businesses coming together, educators coming together and saying, okay, how can we like come together and like really support our community, our local economy and like retain the talent and Mm -hmm. build a pipeline versus having like people come here to these awesome colleges that we have. And then like leave. leave. Yeah. And leave. So I want to do my part to like bring all of this like leadership, education, like combine it all. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. That's the stuff at, at some point when we, can sit down and dig into totally. that's the yeah. stuff yeah. I want to talk about. Yeah, yeah, I need the community change agents. I need you. I need mm-hmm. um, the Bell's China Education Foundation and and all of the people that are doing like amazing things to yeah. like yeah come together and make new possibilities happen. Yeah, it's super fun. Yeah, super fun. Super fun. <laughs> so, so, you have watching it. I saw that you guys were watching. Um, it was on the notes there. What oh, are you guys? Uh, we're watching Patriot on Amazon Prime. I don't know that one. Yeah. Oh, it's dark. It's a dark, oh. dark comedy about a CIA agent. Like a secret agent. Like a secret agent who's also a folk musician who sings about his secret missions. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just, it's really, it's really dark. It's very quirky. A friends of ours good. recommended it and it took us, it, well. Four, it took me it four took episodes. It took you like four episodes to get yeah. into it, but it's like. It's dark. He's depressed and like struggling. And yeah. it's like he works for like his dad basically and his brother's like involved. And it's just it's absurdist dark comedy. But it's yeah. it's captivating. But it's 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 a really good character study. Yeah. I think. Um and this it's heartbreaking too because you see this guy through a lot of the, the choices that are being made for him and that he's yeah. going along with sinking deeper and deeper into depression and anxiety. It's interesting. As somebody yeah. as somebody who suffers from those things myself, yeah. it's fascinating. Yeah. yeah. So Yeah. I love it. I'll yeah. check it out. I'm curious. It's good. Curious. It's really good. And then we're we just finished rewatching Back to the Future. Yeah, the whole trilogy. With the yes. kids. Yeah, yeah, we watched the whole trilogy with the kids over the last two weeks. It was a lot of fun to rewatch those. Yeah, they're so silly. Yeah. <laughs> they, they well, you silly. know, you guys ever watch those um George Burns Oh God movies, like Oh God, you devil, oh God book yeah. two. One of them yeah. has John Denver and we introduced it to the kids and my seventeen year old Sean, he's like Yeah, no, I'm not watching this, but he like was so sucked in. Yeah. yeah. Like it was yeah, so it wasn't terrible. Um, it's terrible, but 
Um, but <laughs> captivating at the same time. We watched Dead to Me. Mm-hmm. I love that show. Sawtooth has not watched any of it, but I love that show. And Working Moms? I have watched some of Working Moms, not a lot. So the problem is we watch TV together mostly, except for Friday evenings. So Friday evenings are my only opportunity to watch things that I think you won't watch. So I yeah. think you would have liked Dead to Me, though, we but can... I already watched like... Oh, did you watch it all? <laughs> well, I'm like halfway through the second season, oh, which right. is what just came out. I love I love Christina Applegate. She's amazing. I know, me too. Yeah. Never... Watch like Friends or Scrubs after to yeah. like mm-hmm. get us wash back it. Happy yeah, exactly to wash it off. <laughs> Did you watch um? Never have I ever. Uh, good. Oh yeah, that was a good show. That's really good. But the is show, it? the show that reminds me of Dead to Me is um Good Girls, which is also on Netflix with um, uh, what's her name? Christina Hendricks. Is that her name? The one from Mad Men with the really big boobs. What's her name? I think it's Christina Hendricks. Um, oh, are you the singer? Is she to do the sing the uh, Alyssa Kendricks? Ali- she no. Sing? no, 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 no. That's Anna Kendricks from Cups. Uh, That's her. Yeah. John Hamm. No, 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 no. It's about women, and no. it's got the woman. It's got the girl from Parenthood, May Whitman, or whatever her name is. Anyways, I'm drawing a If blank. you like Dead to Me, I think Good Girls is another good the next in the same like genre of show. Because it's okay. it's about women breaking bad, sort of, in that kind of huh. genre. Yeah, that's sort of dead to me. Sounds like right up my alley. Yeah, <laughs> that's another show. I used to watch that one at Planet Fitness when I was working. Oh, dead to me. <laughs> no, good girls. No, good girls. Good girl. Yeah. He's like lost. I'm confused. He's like, what's going on? I'll admit it. Which one of you is the mailman? Good grief. <laughs> What else did we watch recently that was good? Tales from the Loop we watched. Tales from the Loop. That's really good if you like sci-fi type of stuff. Um, so, huge. Chris yeah. does. So skip. Chris does. I know, and that's the other that. thing. we got to have a whole podcast with Chris because Chris is an amazing artist. Yeah. Well, I wanted to make... have similar sensibilities like because yeah. you, you do yeah. a whole podcast on Land of the Lost, right? Yes, I do. Oh, yep. does he like Land Oh, yeah. And I didn't oh. even know what it was until I met mm-hmm. him. Um and yeah, sci-fi and all that. That's his like, today mm-hmm. he's celebrating Towel Day. He's got his, yep. um, yeah, so. Douglas Adams. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I have one of those towels. You have a, a towel? A don't panic towel a friend of mine made for me. It's hanging in my <laughs> oh, office. You have like a, wow, someone made it for you. That's yes, awesome. They, may, um, they make them for various like craft fairs type of things. Yeah. And they gave me one. So I was thrilled to have it. Very yeah, it has come in handy on many occasion where I want to panic. I look over I at that. Bet. It hangs on my wall. Yeah. I look over at it. Um, Don't panic in a pandemic. Yeah, but we want to have Chris on here. I that's I mean, we're at we're an hour and 53 minutes. I know he's like, you. all right. And I <laughs> wanted to. Well, so we had been doing a lot of these shows with two guests, like un, kind of like with unrelated interests and topics. And like we found we were neglecting people yeah we didn't want to neglect people yeah so be neglected and that's it's an interesting thing like as this if you uh, god forbid go back and listen to early episodes of this it's a very different type of show um than it is now it's grown it's grown and it evolves it's one of the beautiful things about it and one of the things we figured out is it really i think it really works better when we have one guest and we can really focus on that person and drill down and really try to talk to them yeah. 
as we as we've done here mm. this has been just delightful well thank you for coming um thank you for having i hope me. I people love whole, whole, i love the whole setup i feel like i'm in the room with you i know it's so sad that oh. we can't have people come i know um and like we had a whole thing like we had a i had a studio space picked out before this covid19 yeah we were gonna do like a whole thing it was gonna be cool but oh well we can still do it yeah absolutely. we'll see Wait for this um, pandemic, pandemic to, to blow, blow over. over, and we'll get back to it. So, yeah. but um, maybe today is what's going to make it all go away. I'm going to try that bidet, and I'm never going to leave this house once right. I try it. That's right. You're yeah. going to be like, "There's no bidet in that to- in that toilet. Yeah, I can't use it." Yeah, but um, so thanks for talking to us, and I think people will hopefully have learned a lot of interesting things. What was that? What that was, was that? my email ringing. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> Not a good sign. Uh, was that, 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 that leadership thing, getting oh emails at God. 1030 at night oh. on a holiday. Jesus Christ. Yep, I can only it imagine. No boundaries. Yep. No, no time. It's just, yeah. Yep. I can only imagine <laughs> what's waiting. Um, well, all right. good luck with that. Yeah. Thank so, you. So thank you again for taking this almost two hours out of your Memorial Day weekend to talk to us. I really appreciate it. I think our listeners will appreciate it. I think they will have learned a lot. So yep. keep up the awesome work you're doing yes. in our community. Um, and we'll hopefully talk to you again in the future. Right, yep. Stomping Jen? That's right. I like that. Yes. Okay. That's right. And thank you both for what you're doing for the community. This is like, oh. I love this. I love the soft serve. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much. Okay, Andrea. Um, Sweet dreams. Yep, you too. Take care. Okay, bye. Bye-bye. bye. Well, that was fun. Well, that was fun. <laughs> <laughs> I had a good time. You're so predictable. What do you mean? Well, that was fun. That wasn't fun? No, it was fun. I thought it was. It was 100% fun. Are you, you lying? Didn't, you didn't play any of your bumpers. I know. How dare you, you <laughs> son of a bitch. And you were loving it. Okay. Wah, 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 wah. You got to play them all at the same time. Yep. I can, you That's know. That's the list one. Oh, my God. I'm playing them all at the oh same time. Oh, my God. Just play the last one. Oh, my God. My ears. That was all of the bumpers All right, people. Time. We love you. Do we? It's late. We're going to say bye It's now. only two hours. It's only two minutes and 30 seconds to get to two hours. Oh, my God. All right, no. Well, with the bumper, it'll be two hours. Yeah, with the bumper. All right, so listen. No, hold on. We got to say some stuff first. First, okay. thank you to Andrea, Andrea Bordenka. Bordenka for coming on here and talking to us about all the amazing things that she's doing. Yep. CEO of Desco, CEO of the Institute for Generative Leadership, founder of Lead Yourself Youth, co-founder of the Belchertown Women's Collaborative, and... Building a building. Building a fucking building. Oh. Venture Way Collaborative. Yeah. Okay. Exciting. So hopefully you enjoyed hearing all the stuff she's doing. Yeah. And if you want to contribute, if you want to be a guest, let us know. Yeah. Yeah. Private message us. Yeah. Private message us. Or email us. Or declare your love for the Soft Serve podcast by sharing with a friend. Now we've got a long list of people lining up. I know. So get we the do have a calendar. Fucking building. line, people. That's right. Get in line. Okay, now I'm letting it all loose because we had a 
a um, respectable guest on here. All right. You've hit your two-hour mark. Although our previous guests were respectable. We've had a nice run of lovely guests, all of which I've invited to come. You're the booker. That's right. I'm the connector. You're the booker. I'm the networker. You're the connector. All right. All right. I'm going to connect us with the outro. Thank you, everybody. Um, Love you. Thanks for listening. Hit the button. Hit us up on the socials. And um, see you later. Bye now. Without further ado, I say to you all. Bye now. Bye now.